brick-and-mortar retailers can play the same-day delivery game, too. Take that, Amazon. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Amazon.com, Google, eBay. They're all promising same-day delivery of products ordered online. It seems like the death blow for traditional retailers who are already reeling from the challenge of competing with these e-tailing upstarts. Not so fast, though. Old line merchandisers are jumping into the same-day fray. One of the tools at their command is Delive, a crowdsourced same-day delivery service supporting major retailers and shopping malls. Drawing on a team of independent drivers, Delive promises to match the same-day option being provided by e-commerce giants in a growing number of urban areas. And because its retailing customers can pull product from their own stores, they might actually have an advantage over an Amazon, which spends huge amounts of money on building giant fulfillment and distribution centers all over the country. My guest today is Delive CEO Daphne Carmelli. She explains how the model works and why she thinks it can provide scalable, reliable, and high-quality service in competition with the Amazon juggernaut. So here is my conversation with Daphne Carmelli. Daphne Carmelli, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Why don't you please, first of all, tell me, what is the business model of Delive? We are a crowdsourced same-day delivery service. Uh, we focus primarily on servicing the large omni-channel retailers and offer them a same-day delivery service. Uh, so the way it works is unlike many kind of tech startups out there, um, from a business model point of view, we made the very specific decision that one of the things we were going to not be is a consumer-initiated marketplace, meaning that consumers that want to get delivery do not go to a www.delive.co, search for products, and go buy them, and then someone comes and brings them. Instead, what we decided to do was we wanted to tie directly in to the commerce stream of these omnichannel retailers. So, for example, uh, with one of the most recent accounts that we uh, just announced, Macy's, you'll be able to go to Macy's.com, uh, shop, put a number of items in your basket, and when it's time for you to check out, um, if those items are available for same day in your local region, you'll actually see a checkout option there for same day delivery. You hit it, um, and then we take it from there. So we're going to meet the customers when it is uh, they are engaging with their retailers on their website, on their mobile app, at the end of a customer uh, call center, or even when you walk into a store. Where do you come from? Do you hail from the retail sector? Actually, um, ironically, I don't. 
Um, I don't come from retail. I don't come from logistics, um, which in Silicon Valley makes me uh, very qualified to do this. Really specifically, my, my background in, is that I'm a serial entrepreneur, and most every experience that I've had, what's common among all of them, is at the time that I was uh, working where I was working, I was at companies that were all defining new categories and subsequently led uh, those categories. So I kind of cut my teeth out in the valley with a company called Silicon Graphics. I was on the founding team of what today is WebMD. Uh, after that, I was the head of the e-commerce group at Netscape. And then after that, I started my own company, um, which was a leader in the pricing optimization space. So I imagine that these brick-and-mortar retailers saw the writing on the wall. They saw the challenge, if not the threat, from Amazon, Google, eBay, you name it, all of these e-tailers that were threatening to take take their business away with same-day delivery from e-commerce orders. So did you go to them? Did they come to you? I mean, how did you hook up with these retailers and kind of get their ear, so to speak, in the malls too, for that matter? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So, um, you know, the same-day delivery as a concept is not a new one. Um, you, you, you might argue with these, you know, thousands and thousands, I think somewhere in the 7,500 uh, fragmented couriers across the country, not to mention the, 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 the big guys. Uh, same-day delivery is not new, but the, but the issue of it has been um, it hasn't scaled, it hasn't been cost-effective, the economics don't work. So what's changed in the last few years and why, why does it make sense now and, and why is it going to work really has to do with three things. One is Amazon, as you point out. What Amazon has done, certainly uh, since their existence, is they certainly changed the landscape of commerce. And one of the things that they're clearly the leader in is defining uh, and continuing to raise the bar as to what constitutes a quality and uh, uh, exceptional customer experience. In the last 12 to 18 months, Amazon has really put uh, muscle behind what that customer experience is all about and most recently has defined and put in the forefront of that battleground that the speed and flexibility to which you receive your package is at the forefront of that customer experience. So retailers recognize, like everything that Amazon does, um, they, they need to have a solution. They need to be able to uh, uh, compete. Um, and when it comes to uh, same-day delivery, this is one of those areas where omnichannel retailers are actually sitting in the catbird seat, and they have an advantage over Amazon. And the reason for that is that as Amazon uh, fever feverishly builds out as many local warehouses as they can in order to stock inventory for same-day uh, same delivery, even the most recent updates with the storefront experiment, let's call it, in Manhattan, um, all of these retail stores, uh, an average large retailer has 800 to 1,000 stores across the country. Well, that's another way of saying they have 800 to 1,000 distribution points across the country. So they can leverage their store footprint um, and from there have same-day delivery. So, uh, it, you know, did we, meet, did, did we find them? Did they find us? It really was a convergence of we found each other. And one of the first strategic moves we made as a company was recognize that the majority of these storefronts fit into the real estate domains of these mall operators. 
So we established relationship with uh, initially the first four top uh, mall operators in the country, uh, GGP, Maestridge, Simon, and Westfield. They collectively manage probably 75-80% of the malls across the country and established exclusive relationships with them to be the delivery network for them. And that helps us further consolidate um, and make the economics work. Right. So your relationship then is with the malls, direct relationships with the malls, not the individual retailers in the mall. No, no. Our relationships are with both. So we have uh, direct relationships with the mall operators. And what that relationship provides us is several pieces. One is the mall operators provide us with runners. The mall operators provide us with infrastructure and let's call it a consolidation point. Um, and we provide the mall operators with technology so that when orders do come in on the website um, or any one of the other omni-channel modes, the mall operators um, have the runners that will go fetch all the packages, bring them to a consolidation point. So when our drivers come for delivery, we're picking up 10 to 12 packages at any one time. So we have the economics of a consolidation point, but it's leveraging the infrastructure of the malls. And that's the nature of the relationship with the malls. Um, Second, as far as the relationship is, we have direct relationships with every one of the retailers. And we've got a couple hundred retailers we're working with. um, And as far as the money flow, we are paid uh, by the retailers on a per delivery basis. Uh, You pay when you use it, you don't when you don't. So we've eliminated all the friction for retailers to use us, um, and we're just leveraging them, the infrastructure of the malls. So we're all working together, but we have direct relationships with both. Okay, where can this work? Conventional wisdom seems to say that same-day delivery is really only viable within uh, urban centers with a certain concentration of population. Is that your perception as well or not? No, not at all. And in fact, we're um, live in about eight geographical areas from San Francisco to Houston to New Jersey um, in areas, Palo Alto, in areas that are uh, urban and areas that are, that are not. Um, really, um, if, you, if you boil down your, your, your statement of where it works, what you're really saying, in other words, is where this works is where you can get a consolidation of density. And if we, for example, are leveraging malls to consolidate packages from hundreds of retailers in any one location, and then we extend that to the geographical, you know, 10 to 15 miles around that, we get that um, economics. So it absolutely works everywhere. And part of what makes it work for us, and this might be what's breaking conventional uh, business models, is we are purely a capital asset-free logistics service. So where conventional wisdom might have played in the past doesn't apply here because I own zero capital costs in my business. I don't pay for warehouses. I don't buy inventory. I don't buy trucks. I don't pay for drivers that I'm not using. I'm purely an on-demand service. I pay for a driver when the driver drives, and I don't when they don't. So it's purely an on-demand model. And given that I have zero capital assets, I don't have that burden that I then need to spread around, and it changes what it is I can and can't do. Okay, here's a recent quote from Bela Ganesh, head of retail at UPS. Same day by definition is something that everyone is trying to figure out right now because that's the buzz in the market. It's unsure if it's scalable, especially if it's a point-to-point delivery. Your response? Well, I would, ex- I would expect UPS to say that, and UPS has 
sort of a, a mindset. And I think that if you, first of all, if you take a look at history, generally the disruptors in an industry are disruptors for a reason. Amazon disrupted the Barnes & Noble. Netflix disrupted the Blockbuster. Uh, it goes on and on and on. Uber is disrupting taxis, right? Typically uh, an incumbent that has a design center and a business model for years or years or even a hundred of years, um, it's very difficult or it's very impractical to adjust that. And it typically takes a disruptor, and it's not uncommon. I made a statement that I was somewhat glib that I don't have a background in this space, and oftentimes that's exactly what it takes is how you solve the problem in a new way. So I would agree with that statement said by UPS, um, if I had a capital asset um, heavy uh, type of infrastructure. Now, in my world, I can tell you that that's absolutely not the case. And I can go through some very, very quick economics for you to sort of demonstrate sort of that concept. Right? If I'm paying a driver, let's just say an hourly wage of, say, $20 an hour, um, from our uh, uh, deliveries, one of the statistics that we've learned over time is an average delivery is about 4.2 miles. So if my driver is going to go in and pick up one package and deliver it in one hour, that cost me $20, right? I've already matched what an overnight letter costs me. So I'm already starting out okay if I do nothing more than one package in one hour. But the reality is, is that I'm not picking up one package. If I pick up two packages or three packages or five packages, right, and I deliver them all within four uh, miles, you see that I'm going to get very, very close. In fact, hit a sub-five entitlement cost. So my economics are just very, very different. What's the cost to the consumer for the delivery? Um, that's entirely up to the retailer. So our relationship with the retailer is we charge them on a per-delivery basis, and they pay when they use it and they don't when they don't. And the more retailers that we have in our network, we, we then are able to uh, pass on the leverage of both the economies of scale and the network effects of that. What a retailer does and passes on uh, to the consumer is up to them. And we see everything from the retailer passes it on free to the retailer passes the cost, and it's really across the board. So those that have announced, for example, Foot Locker, footlocker.com, you can go on footlocker.com in the areas that we service, and they've decided it's a $5 flat fee. So unlike a traditional uh, type of uh, uh, courier as well, this isn't by dimension, this isn't by weight, this isn't by number of bags. It's a flat fee, $5, one bag, 10 bags, uh, a TV, a coffee pot. It's all $5. That's the case of Foot Locker. Uh, Macy's and Bloomingdale's will be announcing soon the specific prices, but it's also at a very, very uh, uh, competitive price. Our goal as a company, which is I'm going to answer a question you haven't directly asked, which is, you know, which we're alluding to, which is the, um, the demand for same-day delivery. And one of the, the, the biggest insights that I had over the last couple of years when starting the company, and I'll make a very counterintuitive statement to you now, which is the market opportunity of same-day delivery has very little to do with the demand of people who want things fast, right? That's a, that's a counterintuitive statement. So what I believe the opportunity of same-day delivery is if you can commoditize or democratize the price of same-day delivery, everybody would pick it. So, for example, if you shop on a Macy's.com site 
and you were to put your items in a basket and you were to go to the checkout and imagine you were to see an overnight option and that overnight option was $35 and a two-day option was a $20 option and a same day, sorry, a a ground shipping option, depending on the threshold of how much you've spent, uh, could be 10 bucks, but a same day was five bucks. So essentially, imagine you seeing a checkout page where the same-day delivery option is the same or less than ground transportation. Uh, you'd obviously pick it. You'd probably think there was a typo on the page. But you'd obviously pick the cheapest that happened to be the most flexible and fastest. So what that means is is that you might not have gone to the site thinking that you wanted uh, same-day delivery, but when you saw the options and it became a no-brainer choice, you would pick it. So that's sort of the what what I believe is really the opportunity. And coming from Palo Alto, you know, I'll bring up a little of a Steve Jobsian notion, which is you don't know what you want until you see it, and that's exactly what we're doing. So our goal is to commoditize or democratize the price the same day, so it becomes the no-brainer option. And when it becomes the no-brainer option, this is where you get the density. And in the process, you train the consumer to come to expect that type of service as the regular level of service. In other words, you kind of spoil us to expect same day uh, going forward. Absolutely. I'll use a stronger sentence, which is it becomes addictive, right? And we've seen it, right? I'm an Amazon Prime user. I love Amazon Prime. And I can tell you now, and I'm I'm not alone in this, is when I shop on Amazon, if it's not available on Prime, I don't buy it. And we're finding the same thing with same day. Once you expect it, and I'll tell you also what we've learned about the value prop of same day, it's more about scheduling the specific window when you want something than wanting it in an hour, right? Unless you're ordering lunch, you don't need it in 45 minutes. Most people that order online and want something delivered, they usually want it delivered within about four hours. So if I've got four hours to deliver something from when it's ordered, I can pool, I can create a a real-time route, and we built our own route optimization engine. I can build a a route for four hours that's going to go and uh, fetch packages, and I'm going to be able to get my cost down because the value prop to a customer is that of predictability and convenience, and that trumps speed any day of the week. What do the options look like to a consumer on the uh, on the website? Do they have a series of options, one hour, two hours, three hours, four? Do they plug in their own time? How do they uh, decide when they want it? Yeah, that's entirely another decision that's made by the retailer. The retailer can decide, is it two-hour windows, is it three-hour windows, what are the windows that they want, and when is the first window from when an order is placed. Those are decisions that the retailer makes, and there's a cost trade-off. Right, a three hour, offering three-hour windows is a more cost-effective solution than offering a two-hour window. So the retailer makes that decision, but oftentimes it has to do with driving what the what the customers want. And I'll say that most of the time, um, retailers choose two-hour windows, and most of the time, the first window that's available is an hour after an order is placed. So if you place an order at 10 a.m., uh, the first window that would be available to you would be 11 to 1. That's most of the time, but it's entirely decided by the retailer. But the onus is on you to make good on that promise. If you don't, is there some kind of a guarantee? What, what are you backing up the promise with? Absolutely. We have contractual SLAs with all of our retailers, and I'm happy to report that we meet or exceed them all the time. I want to talk about this use of crowdsourced drivers. 
which is obviously the model of uh, passenger services such as Uber and Lyft, and now you're drawing from that same business model. Does that not create issues of driver reliability for a service that reliability is the absolute essential aspect of it? Um, So you're absolutely right that reliability and quality is essential to what we do. And what I will tell you, not only from the live, but from my experience as being an advisor on the board of many, many crowd businesses, is that the labor pool of a crowdsourced business time and time again trumps in terms of quality and efficiency of any incumbent driver pool. So our driver pool is not a driver pool of professional drivers, right? There's a there's a wrap, right? There's a reputation of what a typical courier and the quality of a courier might be. And these are people that drive full time, and there's a certain caliber of of, uh, of of professional that does that for a living. In our world, what we're offering the contractor base is an ability to have an on-demand work. So no different than consumers that like to have predictability of when their packages are going to arrive, well, so do workers. They'd like to know exactly um, when they're going to work, when they're going to have work, and have the flexibility to change that. So a driver can pick, I want to work Monday from 3 to 5. I don't want to work till Saturday. The next two weeks I'm traveling. I want to come back, and I want to work every day for, for three hours. So with that, um, the pool of drivers that we've been able to build upon are, they're all professionals. They all have something else going on. This is not a full-time contract. This is not full-time funding for any one of these contractors. Uh, We either have full-time graduate students. We have a lot of realtors in LA. We have a lot of playwrights. We have actors. They're all professionals. The majority of our drivers are college educated. A large percentage of them actually have master degrees or above. The reason why people are joining are A, they want the flexible on-demand work. Uh, B, it's a very communitizing uh, type of service and they want to be a part of something disruptive. So all in all, the caliber of people we get is much, much higher. You can't even compare them. And with that comes a tremendous amount of reliability and responsibility. And we've been very, very successful with our model. And I've seen this across many other crowd businesses. So this isn't the first time I've seen this. But you at retail are in a very seasonal business. You want those drivers at your convenience and the consumer's convenience, not the driver's convenience. So does that become an issue when you need to scale up or scale down according to the time of year, time of day, time of week? That's the beauty of the of the crowd business and the way that we build our crowd um, kind of pools. So we have already successfully been able to support peaks of as much as 22x of a normal daily volume. So in addition to the national retailers that we work with, we've also been awarded um, the delivery business for 1-800-Flowers in the areas so far where we've been live have been working with them. And I don't need to tell you, Valentine's Day, uh, Mother's Day, uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving are peak days. And we have already been able to prove pretty effortlessly a peak of 22X. So the notion of this crowd model is precisely um, the most useful when you have predictable or unpredictable peaks. If, if we had a business like uh, if our hairdressers or doctors where we have, you know, a, a set schedule of employees that we have, a set number of hours, you book, you make appointments, and that's that. You're, you're booked one day, you go to the next day. Um, leveraging a crowd labor pool isn't going to do you any good, right? If you've got a business that's got predictable peaks, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Valentine's Day, well, the crowd 
uh, labor model helps you support that because what you're able to do is flex up and down without having the capital cost of hiring them being underutilized or overutilized and not being able to support those peaks. And even more importantly, crowd uh, business model works the even better if it's an unpredictable peak, such as a Hurricane Sandy or something that people aren't expecting. So that's precisely um, where the crowd model works and pretty much outpaces any other traditional employee model. Are you going to flex pricing as well, the way that Uber does, charge more for certain times of the day and year, depending on demand and, and how important it is to get it no, to the customer? I- Absolutely not. As I mentioned in the very beginning of this um, conversation, we are not a consumer-initiated marketplace. This isn't a bidding system. This isn't a, you know, when you're looking, the, the, the big difference of the, of the model of an Uber for how we're working, when you're, when you're in the Uber model, um, I'm sitting out on the street, I turn on my Uber, I'm looking for a car. Right. I haven't committed. I haven't bought the, the, the time yet. I'm looking for one. And they've decided to use surge pricing. And that's just part of their business model. In our world, the customer has gone to the website, has already purchased something, and we have to deliver on it. Our model is we provide contractual terms to our retailers. And it's a flat fee for those uh, deliveries. And it's not a surge model. That's just not how we work. Okay, five, ten years from now, I can picture DeLive launching drones off the rooftops of the malls. What about that? <laughs> oh, I have no idea. Um, right now, we're focused on providing delivery services on the ground. So if you still need human beings to, do, to, get, to get the job done. You know, I'll be dead, buried, and forgotten, you know, by the time I think that's happening. But you know what? You know, power to them. For right now, I'm focusing on uh, traditional deliveries that happen on the ground. Okay. And where are you right now? How many locations, cities, and the like? We're in eight geographical areas. So we're in Northern California, San Francisco, the Bay Area, um, L.A., so pretty much up and down California. We're in Seattle, Chicago, Houston, uh, New Jersey, D.C. I think I've got them all. And if we talk a, a year from now, at the end of 2015, where will you be? Uh, we'll be in all the major cities that matter. Well, this is fascinating to see this business model kind of rise up to help the brick-and-mortar retailers do battle with the e-tailers, so to speak. So, uh, Daphne Carmelli, I want to thank you so much for being with us today and telling us the story of Delive and giving us a picture of another aspect of this same-day delivery mania that retail is getting involved in. Thanks very much for being with us. Thank you. That was my conversation with Daphne Carmelli of DeLive, talking about the latest disruptive model to hit the retail sector. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch nearly 2,000 videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just search for Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any other episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.